we partnered with flight attendants of one of the major airlines and we asked flight attendants to buy SIM cards in that country, bring them to us, then we inserted them in the hotspots wow. and we provided hotspots to the uh, clients of ours because that was kind of like the simplest way to, to, to optimize the whole thing. And one of our new and big customers just asked uh, to have 12 SIM cards from Belarus and somehow uh, you can't buy SIM cards easily in Belarus. So everyone just refused to buy it because you need to show your passport and you need to do a lot of things. And what I did, I just, I just jumped on the plane and I flew to the country. I, I just bought 12 SIM cards in different SIM uh, salons and then I fled back. That was Welcome, this is Phil Michaels, Forbes 30 Under 30 Entrepreneur and Performance Coach. Forbes names the top 30 entrepreneurs, leaders, and stars in the world, and each week we bring you one of them to help you level up in your life and business. From celebrities like LeBron James to Kylie Jenner and Cardi B, you're sure to learn from the list. Thanks for spending time with me today, now it's time to level up. Level up. Welcome to Phil with Forbes 30 Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. She is the founder and CEO of a hardware-as-a-service startup, Nomi, that focuses on providing a global secure infrastructure for remote workers, a mobile Wi-Fi hotspot that runs on eSIM and works both at home and for travelers. Nomi provides fast LTE data in over 100 countries, dual Wi-Fi coverage, and serves as a wireless mobile charger. Nomi is one of the most successfully crowdsourced projects in Kazakhstan, raising $142,000 from its campaign on Indiegogo. The crowdfunding effort was followed by a 435,000 seed round in December of 2018. Nomi recently signed corporate agreements with PwC and Mars. And she has nine, over nine years of experience in marketing and is Forbes 30 under 30 Asia lister. She is originally from Kazakhstan, Central Asia, and is leading the largest STEM initiative in the country called Hour of Code as part of her social responsibility effort. Please welcome Oyona. Very excited to have you here. Thank you so much and welcome. Hi, Phil. Uh, I'm really happy to be here. Uh, looking forward to our discussion. Thank you. It's my pleasure and congratulations on making the list. Where were you when you first found out you made the list? Tell me about that experience. Um, actually, it was the date which was really close to my birthday. I have my birthday in April, so uh, I just got it almost as a present. Uh, I've been in Kazakhstan by that time and I, I was really surprised and I was proud of getting into Asian list because I know that the competition in Asia is really harsh. Wow, that's amazing. Talk about an amazing birthday present. Yeah. And then what did you do to celebrate? Uh, I think I, I did nothing special. I was just really very happy because uh, that year was the first year that we had Forbes under 30 in Kazakhstan. And I was 29 by that time. So I told to myself that this is my last year to, <laughs> when I can get to the list. 
So you'd better use this opportunity. Wow. Talk about last minute decision. So, and you yeah. made it and did you share it with friends and family? I mean, they must've been so proud of you. Uh, I shared it with my business partner because uh, he's the one who's constantly encouraging me to like, to take the opportunities to go for, for like really risky <laughs> options and uh, he was also prompting me to apply to Forbes that's why I shared it with him first what a great team member someone that supports you and also pushes you and challenges you yeah, to achieve yeah. even more yeah so tell me a little bit about the business because when I lived in Nigeria I used a mobile hotspot called smile I'm not uh -huh. sure if, if that company is prevalent in Kazakhstan but that's the one I use and it helped me gain access to Wi-Fi and make certain phone calls, get productivity done on my commutes. So tell me a little bit about what makes this one different than a typical mobile hotspot. Uh, yeah, sure. So basically we started as the travel hotspot. So our idea was to make uh, internet connection as, uh, as easy as possible. Like, because what we know is that People don't want to bother if it's Wi-Fi, if it's 4G, if it's roaming, if it's satellite connection. They just want to have internet. They just want to watch just want it to work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the idea was to simplify uh, all these types of connectivity and to provide one-stop service for the customers. But what we discovered afterwards is that people don't only want to be connected, but they want to be securely connected. And mm. this, this is something really important. And this is something that I, I think many companies uh, in the area where we operate lock, uh, they just focus on the connectivity part. While uh, what we offer on our side is more uh, secured and private connectivity. When your personal information, when your online story is purely your online story. That makes sense. So it's more secure than a typical mobile yeah, hotspot. Yeah, yeah. And it also allows you to charge while you're connected. Yeah. I mean, on the side, it's basically, yeah, it's basically all in one. And we know that people carry on power banks. And I mean, in the ideal world, power banks do not exist, but we're not in the ideal world right now. So we all need power banks from time to time. And we just decided to combine them with the hotspot. Why not? Yeah, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer. If you're traveling around, you need a mobile hotspot in the first place. You also probably need to charge your device because you're not near an yeah, outlet. Yeah, yeah. And when you say in an ideal world, we will not need power banks and power banks will, won't exist. What do you mean by that? Um, okay, so uh, as you mentioned, we had uh, an early seed stage investment. Uh, we, we got some more after uh, I've, I've got to the Forbes 30 and 30 list. So that's a bigger sum right now. But uh, the objective that we quite often needed to overcome was to, uh, to, to tell people, to tell investors why this roaming charges exist uh, at all. Because everyone is saying, like, probably there will be no roaming in the future. And it's quite similar to the concept that there will be no power banks in the future. 
yes, probably this will happen, but that's not the closest future. So it's like 10 years from now, 15 mm. years from now. Uh, in, in the ideal, in this ideal world, there is no roaming, there is no uh, poor people, the, everyone is happy, but we're not there yet. So we're trying to solve like uh, current problems. I like what you did there. You're, you know, everyone will be happy when we have wireless charging and satellite internet and global internet. Yeah, I like yeah. how you connected to that was good. Now that makes complete sense because eventually everything will just be charging on its own in real time. We'll be connected to the global satellite internet and everyone will have access to education around the world. Yeah. And so I definitely want to, to key in your part about the hour of code that, the social responsibility project in just a moment. But I know that listeners are probably thinking Kazakhstan. I know that place. That's the movie Borat. And so embarrassingly, you know, I don't know much about Kazakhstan, but I would love to learn more. Can you tell us what's the sentiment of Sasha Baron Cohen's movie that he did there? How do people feel? Are they angry? Are they upset? Or do they think it's funny? And how did that impact the community there? Yeah, sure. Uh, so on the Borat movie, uh, I think it's it gets uh, less and less important nowadays because it just happened so long so long ago. But uh, when the movie first appeared, I think our government totally overreacted to this and they banned the movie, and this is why it grew popularity. And people have been discussing this a lot internally. Uh, I think that. I shouldn't tell you that it's totally untrue. It's not like this in Kazakhstan. So Kazakhstan is, um, I think it's quite close to 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 Malaysia. Uh, and uh, if you have ever been there, uh, it's a modern city. It has its traditional traits. Uh, there are not so many people living in the region, mm. and we have a lot of beautiful nature which bring brings us close to New Zealand or Australia in this oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's a reason enough to go visit. And so your government banned the movie and it had the, uh, a counterproductive yeah, yeah. result. It essentially that people, more people wanted to watch it because they couldn't watch it. People want what they can't have, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And so what would be a reason if someone were to be listening and they're interested in possibly going to visit Kazakhstan, what would be the number one reason you would share why they should go explore your country or see it for the first time, maybe visit for the first time? Yeah, I think it's totally uh, untouched and really diverse nature. And I think this is something that is lost in many parts of the world. So we have people all around the places walking. And if you want to go to really kind of nomadic lifestyle mm. and nomadic tourism, then uh, Central Asia is really a place to be. You heard it first, ladies and gentlemen. Go visit Kazakhstan if you love it. After, after COVID-19 after COVID. is over. <laughs> Speaking of COVID, that's a perfect segue. So... It's a crazy time right now. I'm sure it's yeah. impacted not only you and your team, but your community. What's been you and your team's go-to hack to get the most out of COVID time? What's something you or your team is doing to play offense rather than defense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's a brilliant question. And in terms of what we did uh, and what we did like really right, uh, 
I think we just tried to skip uh, a few stages of not believing in the crisis. So we skipped the part of like denying it. We skipped the part of arguing over it or trying to convince ourselves that everything is uh, how it was before. And everything is going to be how it was before and there is nothing going on. So we just jumped into this reality when everything is different and people are behaving differently. And this saved us a lot of time and money and efforts. Uh, even on our like uh, company side, if before we tried to, to go both into security and remote work and also into travel directions, we had to, uh, we tried to balance in between them. Uh, when COVID happened, we just told ourselves, you should go for uh, remote workers because that's something that is going to boom. And mm. we went for, for that. And I think that helped us. So that's interesting. So your messaging changed a little bit to yeah. appeal yeah. to remote workers since you knew a lot of people are going to have to work remotely. That's genius. And I love how you're adapting to the market instead of deciding, oh, if it, when are things going to go back to normal? Are they going to go back to normal? You just said, if this is the new normal, how can we make the most of it? How yeah, can we exactly. capitalize on this new normal and essentially operate as if this is the new existence that we have? Yeah. Excellent. And, and it's kind of like if you don't adapt, you die. So you're either growing or dying and you decide to adapt to the market to stay relevant. So yeah. Take yeah. Us <laughs> That's right. <laughs> take us back to the very beginning, um, where you grew up and the path that led you to where you are now eventually making the list. Okay, um, I'll try to be short in telling the story. So basically I'm originally from Kazakhstan, from a very um, small town in Kazakhstan. And I think the, the whole story began with the science fiction because I really liked to read it. And I really liked math and physics. And I also, um, understood quite early that I want to do something on the global scale. I don't want to have the, the, a small restaurant in a specific city and to manage it for, for ages. Uh, I just want to do something on the global scale. And I also want to do something that, that is not just like selling ads or um, Trying something that's to really going to have an yeah, impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, something real. Uh, I, I started to work at the corporations and then uh, I just realized that it's time to move and I moved to the uh, startup area. Uh, in, in a while, I just founded Nomi. Uh, I'm a co-founder, so I have a technical co-founder as well. And... Well, we, when we started, we decided to do crowdfunding and then we went for the like US market because that's one of the largest markets. I think that's the largest market globally. Uh, so if we can grow in States, I think we can grow pretty much everywhere. Congratulations. And, and the, the ability that you had to, you know, grow up in a small town, but then make it to where you are now, it's just... It's, it's incredible and very inspiring, I'm sure, to a lot of listeners that maybe didn't have the uh, same opportunities that maybe those from a very developed nation have. And so do you get to share that with other people? I know you're giving back through the Hour of Code, but 
do you maybe share your experience to uh, schools in your local area to motivate other younger individuals to do the same as you or follow your path? Yeah, uh, I'm doing quite often. And one thing that um, I always try to, to push to people is to show them that there is a way of doing something. And there is an opportunity that they might use. Because my personal case was that I graduated from the local university. And that wasn't a, a very good one in terms of the quality of education. However, uh, I could probably have applied to like uh, U.S. university or uh, European university or Asian university. Why I haven't done it uh, is because I didn't know that that's an option. Somehow I just didn't consider it. It, it wasn't that I, I, was, I, I wasn't smart enough or uh, I couldn't do something. I just didn't think about it. And this is what I'm trying to push to other people mm. is to show that, them it, it is yeah. possible. Yeah. And you were any, it wasn't even a thought in your mind that, Oh, I can apply to a university in yeah. the U S sadly. No. And why is that? Um, I think my parents just didn't tell me that there is an option because they didn't have it in their mind. Uh, they haven't considered it. And uh, studying uh, in the small city, you, you don't have many examples of other people doing this. So you just don't consider this. You know it exists. So you can now serve as a role model for others to show them, hey, this is possible. It's amazing. Congratulations. So how did that lead to the Hour of Code? Um, okay, our co like before I co-founded Nomi, uh, I started the other project, uh, which was a coding school for kids. And uh, we had four co-founders in, in that project. Uh, and we, we, we just had a school, which is like very local school at the specific city. And as I mentioned earlier on, this is something that I'm not super interested in. So I always wanted to, to have a, either a number of school or go global or do something that is larger. And when I learned that there is an, uh, an initiative which is global and it's called Hour of Code. And Hour of Code is when um, kids are introduced to coding in an interactive, uh, interesting way. I just decided why not to do this in Kazakhstan on the global scale. It was about like five years ago and we had about 80,000 participants at the first wow. year. Uh, right now we grew to almost 400,000, which is every 10th uh, school kids in Kazakhstan. Wow. Congratulations. That's yeah, Another thanks. win under your belt. You should get an award just for that alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell me along this journey, I'm sure you've overcome obstacles or challenges. How did you find success or how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Um, that's an interesting question. So I don't think I had uh, any major, major failures uh, in my life, but I definitely had a lot of small ones and medium ones. And I think that's kind of like do my approach. Uh, my approach is tell everyone that you're going to, to do something and then uh, you should do it. Uh, you, you, you cannot hide and say like, hey guys, I'm not doing this. 
So when I'm using this approach, I know that I will fail a lot and I don't know how to do something. So I will definitely make mistakes, um, but that's totally fine as soon as I reach the goal. So you put it out there in the universe and that social peer pressure kind yeah. of forces you yeah, to level totally up. Yeah, that's totally me. <laughs> No, behave, this is, it's not just you. You're not alone. This is very common in, in, MBA, in my MBA program. I studied behavioral economics, and it's my favorite subject of study. And we learned that there's more influence of behavior. You can change human behavior more with social peer influence than any other variable. So more than information, more than monetary incentives, that social peer pressure influences our behavior more than any other. So you, that's smart. You put it out there. You said, I'm going to do this. And now you really needed to do it because you just told everyone you were going to do it. Yeah, I think it just doesn't work for the Monday sports or like New Year's sports related promises. Yeah. So um, tell me about maybe these pivotal people in your life. You're, you are probably acting as a pivotal person in some of these young children's lives someone to look up to, someone to show it's possible. Who are the most pivotal people in your life to help you get to where you are now? Who was your coach or your mentor? Yeah, uh, on my side, I always tell that I love people. I'm inspired by people. So I always had and I still have a lot of mentors and I'm not afraid to ask them like to become my mentors. Um, in terms of the people, I think like two uh, that are most influential would be first is definitely my current business partner i really love him uh he's a tech guy but he also teaches me to be kind of like more risky because i'm more on the safe side he's more uh, on the risky side and sometimes he just comes with uh, really uh, weird ideas which are weird at the first side but are not that weird at the second side for example, um, once we had a discussion that we need to hire extra people to the team to bring a specific technology into the application that we're doing, and he just told me like, hey, Alona, maybe, uh, I, I know there, there are um, applications in the App Store that use similar technology. Maybe we should reach out to the folks who are owners of those applications and just ask them if they can sell them or if we can buy the company. And I was like, huh? <laughs> we're, we're a startup ourselves. How we're are we going like, to buy a company? And, we're, and he's proposing us to, to, to buy the company. And then we had a discussion. And I, like, he was more like, um, maybe those guys are not that big. Uh, maybe we can uh, just talk with them. Maybe we can convince them. Uh, I've realized that even if it's not the case, even if it's, we're not going to buy them, that's a very cool way of thinking. And um, this is something that I can learn from him, definitely. And I'm still learning. That's great. I love that you compliment each other. It's like, He's yeah. more risky. You're more risk averse. And so your strengths are his weaknesses and vice versa. And it sounds like not only that, but he, the worst they'll say is no. And so he's saying, just ask. Cause the worst that happens is they just say no and you move on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think the, the second person would be my ex uh, Proctor and Gamble. I worked for PNG for quite some time uh, leader uh, she's been a, an amazing lady who 
served in China. Uh, she was an example of the person who's really in the consumer shoes. So whenever uh, possible, she's in the consumer houses. She knows like all the names of the people she talks to. She remembered them. She sends them gifts afterwards. Um, this is uh, a role model that I keep in mind when I'm trying to develop the product and ask myself perman permanently, will will people really like it? Mm. Uh, how do these people live, etc. Yeah, building that relationship on a deeper yeah. level. Sounds like a great role model and you can learn a lot of skills from her. And speaking of your business and your product, who is your ideal client that buys your product? I mean, who's your most common customer? What country do they come from and why do they purchase your product? Yeah, uh, here, I think we need to talk about two types of the customers because we have B2C lack, we also have B2B lack. So in terms of the B2B customers, um, our customers are the companies who have remote workers. They're not extremely large, so they're up to like 1,000 people. And uh, the big portion, big enough portion is remote. And mostly they have their own devices. So why the, why the companies buy us? Because they don't want to manage all the personal devices of their mm. employees and to get like VPNs installed and all these privacy programs installed and uh, monitoring for all the devices. So we, we, we just give them Nomi devices and uh, all the accesses, all the VPNs, all the security features plus internet is provided to Nomi device. And then um, CIOs just monitor the devices. So you can manage all yeah. the wireless networks of all yeah. your employees. Yeah, exactly. It's just exactly. one simple dashboard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's they genius. Can, yeah, they can do this globally. So it doesn't matter if you have employees uh, somewhere in Serbia or uh, Nigeria or China or anywhere else. That's smart because a lot of people have remote workers now all around the world and they want to one, make sure that everyone has great internet because they're going to have to do video calls. They're going to have to do work remotely. So yeah, they need to yeah. have a high quality internet and you also need to manage the security and you don't want to have to do that for every single employee, especially if you have a thousand people on your team or even, even 20 people on your team. So you want to yeah. ensure both and you can do that with your, your team. So who's your biggest customer and, and which country purchases your devices more than any other? Uh, in, in terms of the country-wise, uh, it will be U.S. But uh, in U.S., we mostly have B2C clients right now at the moment because we haven't been focusing on the B2B that much before uh, the COVID. Uh, but right now we see that there is a growth in demand and we see that many companies would have remote workers. Uh, it, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. So yeah. that's why we're, we're looking into U.S. market in terms of B2B as well. But right now we have about 3,000 or maybe a bit more uh, clients in states. And we also have quite a big portion of the client, uh, customers in uh, Southeast Asia and definitely um, a lot of uh, B2B customers in Kazakhstan. Well, congratulations. That's, that's amazing. And I would love for the audience to, to learn more about your product and your service. And we'll do that in just a moment. But 
in order to get to this global scale, I mean, in over a hundred countries, you must have had to have hustled or your team member hustled. So what's something scrappy you or your team member did to hustle to get to where you are now that maybe you couldn't have revealed when you were first starting up, but uh, what's something that you've done that's pretty scrappy to hustle? Yeah, uh, I have exactly this type of the story that you can tell at the very beginning uh, because otherwise you will be misunderstood. So the story is, uh, I flew to the other country to buy 12 SIM cards for our customers. And why it happened was because at the very beginning, we didn't have our own product. Right now, we're manufacturing our own hotspots. Before, we used uh, third-party hotspots, which are regular ones where you insert physical SIM cards. Uh, We sold one of the uh, clients of ours on the concept that we can minimize their roaming charges. And the way we usually did it was uh, when the customer told us they're going to a specific country, we partnered with flight attendants of one of the major airlines, and we asked flight attendants to buy SIM cards in that country, bring them to us, then we inserted them in the hotspots, and we provided hotspots to the uh, clients of ours because that was kind of like the simplest way to, to, to optimize the whole thing. And one of our new and big customers just asked uh, to have 12 SIM cards from Belarus. And somehow uh, you can't buy SIM cards easily in Belarus. So everyone just refused to buy it because you need to show your passport and you need to do a lot of things. And what I did, I just, I just jumped on the plane and I flew to the country. I, I just bought 12 SIM cards in different SIM uh, salons. Um, then I fled back. That was it. That's amazing because you needed a hotspot to work in all these different countries. So yeah, your, yeah. the flight attendants ended up becoming your sales reps. Yeah, and they were yeah. essentially going out, getting the sims from all these different countries, bring them back. And you're almost pretending that you have a hotspot from that country. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we're not doing uh, this any longer. So we have an eSIM technology that that helps us a lot. But at the very beginning, that... You had to do whatever it took to get to where you are now, and it worked. And now you have, like, the legitimate manufacturing, and now you you don't have to do that anymore. But that's incredible. What a a great story and a great way to hustle. That was uh, very very creative. So now we're going to transition and switch gears a little bit to something called the under 30 seconds round. So I'm going okay. to fire off some questions and just I'll answer. Try. Do, do you have a clock? <laughs> I'm not that so strict. I'm not that okay. strict. I'm in Tampa, Florida. We're a little bit more lackadaisical here. So um, I will fire off the questions and then just answer with whatever comes okay. to mind as soon as you think of it. So are you ready? Yep. Okay. What is the book you've gifted more often than any other book and why? Uh, actually, there are two. One is You're Surely Joking, Mr. Feynman by Feynman. Oh, yes. And the second one is uh, Innovators by Walter Isaacson. And why? Because they spark curiosity in people. I love it. Both great books. Number two, what's one of the best and one of the worst investments you've ever made and why? Mm, okay. The best one is in people. 
I think all the investments and people are always the best ones. The worst one is uh, over over worrying about the future because future is totally different from what you expect it to be. Good answers. Good answers. Number three, what's one of your guilty pleasures or favorite cheat meals? <laughs> okay, on the guilty pleasures, it's stargazing and skygazing. I can waste a lot of time doing this. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, there's a certified dark city here uh, close by to Tampa, Florida. It's where mm. there's no, no light pollution. So a lot of people go. I won't reveal it because then no more and more people will start going there and offering <laughs> Have light you been pollution. there? Uh, I'm actually um, going with my buddy who has a huge telescope. Like I think it's like 12 feet tall. I'm jealous. Now. So we're going to do like a camping trip there. So I'll have to send you some pictures, Aoyana, after. Cool. Um, Definitely. All right. Number four, pretend you won the Peter Thiel Fellowship and you were going to get money to start a business rather than go to college. What's the very first thing you would do to start your business? Mm, I think I will look for the partner. Because um, being alone and being a solo founder could be like really harsh. So it, it's better you have somebody nearby. Good answer. There's an old quote that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Yeah, exactly. Last question. What's something you never knew you needed? Uh, I have a funny answer. Nomi. Nomi was something that I never knew I needed. Uh, this is not something you, you think you need before you have it. And when you have it, you, you just think like, how could I live without it? And it's not a promo. No, it's actually smart because now I'm thinking I need it <laughs> because yeah. I travel a lot and I don't want, you know, luckily Verizon in the US, it's my telecom that I use. I can now travel around the world. I don't have to get all these new SIM cards. I don't have to change my phone mm -hmm. number. They just give me the, something called a global travel yeah, pass yeah, yeah. pay a little extra. So does it work the same way with your hotspot? Like, could I travel around the world without having to switch out a SIM card? Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we just have this eSIM, so you're buying uh, as much data as you need. Uh, you, you can also do this with pay-as-you-go, and it's also compatible with Verizon. Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. Okay. Yeah, we need, we need this. So I know one of the things... I think I need you, to send it to you. Yeah, I would love that. I, I would be very grateful. And... You are even nice enough, uh, thanks for your generosity, but you were nice enough to offer a 20% discount to all of our listeners and our audience. So we will provide the coupon code or URL uh, in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for that. But before you go, what's the next big goal or milestone or bucket list item you want to achieve? Um, I think for us right now is, uh, to be really well known in uh, New York and in California. That's something very down to earth, very pragmatic. And that's my goal till the end of this year. New York and California, we're going to have yeah. a lot of listeners from there. So I'm sure there'll be many tour guides and hosts and people that will want to help bring Nomi to those two states. And where do listeners go to? One, learn about the product. So what's the URL you want them to go to? And then two, where do listeners go to connect with you directly? Um, 
So on the on the Nomi uh, product, you, you just go to nomi.net. That, that's very simple. Uh, in terms of myself, I think the best way would be getting connected uh, on LinkedIn. I just ask everyone to, to have a small note like, hey, I'm from that podcast. Uh, I listen to you. This is why I want to connect. Because otherwise, uh, it's kind of like tricky. It'll get lost in the spam. Yeah, yeah. So connect with Aryana on LinkedIn. Go to nomi.net. That's N-O-M-M-I dot net. And please go connect with her. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being here today. We learned so much about why it's so important to have a business partner, mentors, and coaches, how you can go from a rural area, a nomadic land, and make it to global scale with huge companies like PwC. I hope this helps you as much as it helped me. Have an amazing day. Thank you, Ayana. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for joining us today. I hope this episode helped you as much as it helped me. Who do you think would benefit from hearing it? You can make an impact on their life by sharing it now. Before you go, I encourage you to tell us your favorite part of the episode in the review section. Now it's time to level up. Level up. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.